The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. This is the Christmas Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Thank you so much. I've had a stack of social media and TNT correspondence in the last 24 hours since I opened the second hour of the program yesterday and spoke about my regular contributor, Alan Jones. And a lot of people are saying, well, basically, thank you for sticking by him under an avalanche of allegations involving uh, some misbehaviour. Now, can I just reiterate what I say? I pick and I stick in terms of being a loyal friend, which is what I am to Alan and what he is to me. He's also a colleague for longstanding, uh, and I should add, uh, one of the greatest broadcasters I've ever been motivated by. Um, and I will stand by him until uh, any of the allegations that have been um, made against him are substantiated. Um, I've got stacks of emails I could go through. Good on you, Chris, for sticking by. Alan says, Joe, please convey my support to him, one of our greatest broadcasters, bar none. Look forward to hearing him again on TNT Radio on your program in 2024. Joe, thank you. Um, there was Wayne a little earlier. Um, I've had Mark. I've had uh, Joan and others all saying similar things. I won't labour the point. But you stick with people, um, especially of the calibre of Alan Jones, in terms of generosity and kindness of spirit to the very end. And that's what I intend to do. For those people who've lodged allegations about him publicly, I hope if they feel as if they've been somehow damaged by working in that previous radio station, that they get the help um, that they um need. That's very important for their mental well-being. Okay, that aside, I want to go back to Richard, who's got three really good points about what we need to do to look after our borders. Go ahead, Richard. Um, can I just add uh, ditto to what you said? Um, 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 he's been a great ambassador for Australia and for ordinary people, and I don't always agree with some of his lines on stuff, but I agree on most of it. Um, but he's entitled to due process, and until yes. that due process is played out, because in this country we have far too often recently been hanging people out on the words of um, untested evidence before courts of law. So I, I, I stand the same way. And, and being a beneficiary, I'd say from in 2015, um, uh, I think it was the Harvey Norman tickets, the 500 tickets to the Children's Foundation at the Prime Minister's residence in Sydney, which was a great night. I, I'm very much thankful for that as well, and I wish him all the best. Um, Good on you. Look, the two other things in relation to the immigration part is that we need to... You've got, the Americans, after 9-11, after put in fingerprinting and photographing of all people entering and leaving the country. The system be held by border force, and you could, you could screen out a whole range of criminals that, and state actors, and you could get from that point of view. We need an immigration court. 60% of the court cases before the High Court of Australia now are immigration-related. Within that, we also need a system which the opposition should be running on this to the next election. The government should be doing it, but they should be running it. You get one public-funded appeal. That's it. 
you could have up to maybe five or ten after that, but you will self-fund them yourself or you can have all the do-gooders in the world will face them. Thirdly, in relation to the immigration, boat arrivals and organised crime, we need to have a revisit of the 1951 Convention, which means we have to look at the protocols which have got us to the point where we are where we can't determine who will come to this country or not. And that means, that yeah. doesn't mean we get out of it, just means we say we'll sign up to the treaty but we aren't having the protocol which says our High Court has to do X, Y, or Z. What will happen, our Parliament, we the people of this country, via representatives will say, no, you end up in this country illegally, you, you smuggle, you falsify, you burn your papers. And I've seen this as a former federal law enforcement officer. You, mm. you do that, you get convicted, you'll go to prison, and you'll be deported. And if we can't send you back to another country, you will sit in some form of detention now, that might make us unpopular with the world, but we could do that. We have to go through and review the 51 Convention. A lot of people won't like it. We notify the UN, and we go from that point. Do I think they are three uh, inspiring ideas, but in particular, not allowing someone to have five to ten different appeals after a decision has been made not to grant them access as a as a resident of Australia, this is very important because we are paying a mozza for appeal Brilliant. after appeal Brilliant. of people who have no likelihood of getting through. But because they, they go judge shopping or tribunal shopping, they exactly. finally get through the system and the web. Exactly. And the Bulawayo family is a perfect example of that. It was a political yeah. decision. We had yeah. three court, uh, federal court decisions, two high court decisions. The High Court of Australia said no. But the yeah. government of the day decided to run a political wedge campaign on national security. The last thing I want to talk about is really about today is Pearl Harbor Day, which I, I understand the American Congress and, and Biden, the Biden presidency, and I think he should really... I think I think the, the Democrats should be saying, look, time's up, Joe, um, yeah. and, and get another candidate. For, for the sake of Americans, but the sake of the rest of the rest of the free world. Pearl Harbor today, um, and we know there was a whole lot of background, but there were warnings within days and weeks of the attack. And in the hours before there was a Catalina aircraft that spotted something, there was a US destroyer off the coastline and saw a periscope for, from a submarine, and there were some other things we didn't do. I want to draw that back to the comparisons of, of two things which have now endangered the West. One is the 7th of October attack on the state of Israel. There must have been signals inside the Israeli systems, the American systems and the allies of movements which might have been dismissed or not looked at as a high priority. The West and the Five Eyes, and including associate democracies like Israel, we must warn them. We must mm. warn them because yeah. we will be dragged to this. And that also brings us to Ukraine and Putin. We knew there were some problems around in 2014, and we must have seen those movements. The West has to learn the lessons from Pearl Harbor, from our own, um, from, uh, from the Darwin attack on February the 19th of 1942. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. got to look for these signals, which means you've got to invest in intelligence, human intelligence, and you have to look at what is around you. Not everybody who wants to trade with you is your friend. And communist China is a perfect example of that. Now, I know that upsets a lot of people and all the people are making money. Well, guess what? At the end of the day, they are a communist state. 
the same as the North Korea, it's a communist state. The Republic of Iran is an Islamic state who is dedicated to the destruction of the state of Israel and is firing rockets now into the Red Sea supported by Yemen. And, and, and we, we should be concerned because we are a trading marine nation. We want free ocean trade around the world. Now, if Russia and China don't want to pull up uh, Iran, we have to say to the Iranians, by the diplomatic background here, um, you keep on doing this, and we, now we're out of, out of our way for a while. I hear what I'd be saying. You, you support another attack on vessels inside the Red Sea. We will close one of your consulates, and, we'll, and we'll, we will uh, deport any foreign national. Well, I country. think all of that pushback is coming, and I'm going to speak with Shane Healy a little later this hour uh, he knows a little bit about the pushback that's coming so i'll speak to him about that but richard just before you leave us uh chris has sent me a note on our chat box on tntradio.live the app and uh, chris says i've missed hearing richard since i stopped listening to 2gb over a year ago and switched permanently <laughs> to tnt he needs to call in more regularly says chris but tell, tell chris i will call in um, it was just, it was our 40th anniversary of the 26th of November. We had a few other things we um, on Sunday. We had a couple other things, but I've made the commitment after texting you that I'll ring back. I will come back. And if I don't come back before Christmas, I wish you, your family, all the listeners and everybody um, a happy and Merry Christmas. Can I put out a shout to the people, um, in our people of Jewish background and our family in the middle of Hanukkah? We're thinking about you, my doctors and a, and a dentist, which I know. We care about you. And despite the failure of the leadership of the government and the Premier and the Attorney General and the Prime Minister and the Federal Attorney General, there are Australians here who are not going to tolerate the type of um, um, uh, evil intent which was on our streets. And I could say to the people of the State of Israel um, and to our, our colleagues there, um, stick in there. We understand it's difficult. Um, well, I understand also there's a suffering on the other side of innocent people. But the people of Palestine and the rest of the Arab world has to do something. They have to say, release the hostages, and then you can talk to Israel about a ceasefire. Yeah. Let's, let's leave it there, Richard. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you and your family too. Thank you, mate. And look after yourself. I will. Thank you very much. Bye. Fantastic. Um, Okay, I want to go to Russell Broadbent, federal independent member for Monash. He's one of the most experienced and longest serving members of parliament, previously represented the Liberal Party. He's on the line right now. Russell Broadbent, welcome back to TNT Radio. Chris Smith, thank you. I wasn't independent last time we spoke, but there we go. There you go. You are now. Um, yeah. The world's biggest concern right now is this war in the Middle East, and Richard just raised anti-Semitism, um, it doesn't sit with me well that in the Western world we're taking the conflicts that occur in the Middle East and playing them out verbally and sometimes violently on the streets of Australia. How are you? You couldn't possibly be comfortable with that. Absolutely uncomfortable. In fact, I have rung, like your previous caller, I have rung my Jewish friends and said, I'm thinking about you and I'm supporting you and I'm standing with Israel. And I've been very upfront about that. I think what the anti-Semitism that is playing out not only on our streets, 
but with Jewish businesses and Jewish peoples across this nation is a disgrace. And our politicians, every one of them, should be standing up for that nation that is the only democracy in the Middle East. And they stand with us, Chris. What happened on the 7th of October should never be forgotten. And even those that come to me and say, but what about the deaths in Gaza? I say, I don't know what attitude you would have if that was your son and daughter-in-law and children who were tied up, flat, doused with incendiary and then lit alive. Mm. How would you be, Chris? I think our attitude might be quite different or are we holier than thou? No, we are not. And it's I very di- it's very difficult when you're on the outside to make de- to make decisions and make calls that are even handed. And one thing my dad always said to me is, "Put yourself in their position before you make a statement, Russell." Yeah. And I, look, I've tried to do that, Chris, throughout my career. I've tried to always put myself in their position, and, and always with legislation. I've said, what if, it's, what if this was my children that were being affected by this legislation? And it puts a whole new light on it. If it's your children or Chris Smith's children or somebody you know's children, right? And all of a sudden, we, we introduce a law that they can detain anybody for as long as they like for, their, for, for the government's consideration. No. You know, this is Australia. Australia should be a magnificent haven for the Jewish nation if they need us. A magnificent haven. That's what we should be. That's the true value of what our families have stood for, and that has been diminished dramatically over the last 20 years. If you think of the status of a family, the status of the woman in that family and the status of the male in that family as compared to today... You know, it's it's extremely disappointing. And going right back to the 40s when um, a, 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 a priest named Marshall or a reverend named Peter Marshall, not the Peter Marshall from the Firefighters Union we have here, but uh, Peter Marshall, uh, he was the um, minister to uh, Truman, the, the, the president. And when you, you talk about his Keeper of the Wells sermon, which is fantastic, Chris, he actually goes on to talk about how important the women were in those families, you know, that were the cohesion and the blood within those families that kept our society together. And he was praising the woman in a household looking after the family and children, mm. not sending them out to work like we do, not making every reason for them to go out to work, but rather praising the mums who want to stay at home and raise their children. Excuse me if I've gone right off track here, but at least the Jewish families stand for that family tradition and they stand... There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I've got to go to a quick break, Russell. If I may, I'll come back in a couple of minutes. We'll talk about renewables and an amazing article by business writer Terry McCran on the economy. 
Uh, we'll do all of that with Russell Broadbent, MP, the member for Monash, right after a break on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media, like Telegram, who have reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40 California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%, you know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people were saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them. This is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
I've got Russell Broadbent with me now, the member for Monash in Victoria in the federal parliament. Uh, News Corp business writer Terry McCran, Russell, has painted a very dark picture of Australia's immediate future. He says that whether it's a tax on miners or destruction of the energy system, the government is doing its best to destroy the economy just in time for Christmas. In fact, he says we're sliding towards a recession. Is that a fair reading of the economy and the way the government is supposedly in charge of it? Well, that's been backed up by a number of people now saying we are in a technical recession regarding individuals. Now, there may be there may be others that are that are still surviving, but you've only got to go to all the things. I, I've just been to an independent hardware store to pick up some joiners because we've had some vandals around the farm. And I said to him, are your people paying their accounts? He said, oh, it's a bit tough. I said, are they paying their accounts? He said, oh, the good ones are paying their accounts. He said, and we only, we only deal with small builders, not big builders. Another big builder gone through in the West. And, Chris, I've got to say to you that all the signs are out there. I said this to the Liberal Party party room as a, in my resignation address, which went for a minute. I said, there are dark clouds on the horizon for this nation. I tell you, the whole party room didn't know what I was talking about. But I was in business before I came into this. I know when people stop spending, and they've yeah. stopped spending. They have. You know, some people, um, you know, still have a high income, probably, you know, public servants and other people still have a, a guaranteed high income. But those businesses that rely on, you know, people's disposable income, they're saying, oh, things are not quite as, as they have been, and it's being recorded. Terry McCran's got it right. But the worst part is the government actually believe what they're doing is good. Yeah. I haven't seen, in my 20 years, 25 years nearly next year, of, of public service in the federal parliament, Chris, I haven't seen one policy on green energy that has reduced the price of power. No. Of course when they not. closed Hazelwood in Victoria, we lost 27% of our power that day and the same private company owned the next power station and their, uh, their product, electricity, went up 25% to the Victorian Australian community. Yeah. So it was in their interest to knock off 27% of our and, and while we're because talking about that, I noticed a new survey which is in the Herald Sun in your neck of the woods saying that Australians are cooling on renewables. Maybe the penny has dropped here. The survey of 2,000 households by Energy Consumers Australia shows 62% of respondents believe the transition to renewables will increase their power bills, exactly what you're saying, as energy companies fund upgrades to wires and new storage facilities. It's one of the greatest con jobs, Russell. And there's a huge backlash against these companies trying to put in these power lines to renewable energy sites. Huge backlash. Yeah. And that's going to that's going to expose itself very strongly. Secondly, who's paying for that? Not the rich. No. Not the rich. Who's paying for it? The middle class in Australia and the working poor and the poor. They're the ones that are paying the power bills for these people who have got investments in uh, renewable energy and getting huge discounts for that from the government. And you got Chris Bowen the other day 
said, well, it's not working, so we'll pour more government money into it. We'll give them more incentives to do it. And it's it's like the, the whole global rises. the whole global uh, campaign here has been about spending trillions on green projects, wind farms, wind turbines, uh, making sure that we have enough subsidies because it's also inefficient and unreliable. So we'll do all of that. But despite spending trillions around the world, Russell, the point of the matter is we haven't seen a reduction in CO2 if that's what they think will save the planet. No, there's only been an increase in Australia. And in <laughs> fact, where it did go down was under the Morrison government. Yeah, but we'll do you three know? times more than what we're doing and what we're doing doesn't work. That's right. <laughs> and, and, Australia, and Australia's emissions amount to, what is it, um, less than uh, 3% of the world's emissions. Yeah. Less than three percent. We'll never make any, we'll never make any difference at a huge cost to oh. to Middle Australia. You know, it's Middle Australia, Chris, as you know, <laughs> that decide who governs this country. Mm. It's not the rich, it's not the poor. It's Middle Australia, and they are being taxed um, out of the kitchen. Yeah, for what's happening, they're the ones that Terry McCran's talking about. Their living standards have gone through the floor. Yeah, exactly. Right. I want to saving. ask you, just very briefly, one of the things that you've been saying, since we last spoke, you are in the Liberal Party, now you're not. There's a very simple explanation, but I'll rather you explain that to my listeners. Why are you an independent now? Well, um, they brought the pre-selections forward in Victoria. Yep. Uh, because they brought them forward, I had no alternative but to stand because I wasn't going to be a lame duck member of Parliament for two and a half years. Mm. Um when the pre-selection was held, I received 16 of the 200 votes. So, you know, if I'd have received 40 or 50, I'd have said, oh, I've got an obligation to those 40 or 50 people, you know, stay within the party. But that was a clear message that because of my stance on vaccines, because yeah. of my stance on, on, on nearly all... The, I've been at odds with them on uh, net zero, which is not going to happen. It's no, rubbish. of course not. You were right. They and, were wrong. Yeah, and, you know, our party's gone down that track. Uh, the Victorian Liberal Party think everybody's wonderful, including cross-dresses that read to little children, and yeah. we, we've got to accept that's reasonable. Sorry, no, it's not. No. There's certain values and standards that we have. Um, um, and because I spoke out on those things and a number of other things, they said, well, you know, this guy's past his time. He's, he's, he's gone. Well, mm. I, I think my time's just starting well, we need your ilk more than we need those within the Liberal Party right now. Sad to say, this doesn't seem to be a legitimate Conservative Party uh, in the offing. So we don't have anyone to vote for. And so we're going to have to pick and choose various independents. Well, I'm so glad that's happened. Just very briefly, Pauline Hanson's Chief of Staff, James Ashby, will stand for election at next year's Queensland State Poll to be a state member for the seat of Keppel. How will he go? It's a 5% seat. That's a difficult ask at any time unless there right. is a real big move against the Premier. Right. And what he's probably reading is cost of living issues are going to be really important next year. Mm. So he's reading that to say people's hip pocket are going to talk through their voting pattern yeah. and he can see a 5% shift. 
And there's a big role against uh, Palaszczuk at the moment as well. Absolutely. And even if that doesn't occur, it sets him up for a run for the, to support Pauline in the Senate at the federal election the year after. Yeah, right. Okay. That's the plan. So That's really that interesting. He's not, he's not that silly that he wouldn't have a, long, a long-term strategy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a strategist. All right. I don't, I don't believe it's state politics. State yeah. politics I'll, don't I'll, make the big, the big decisions, and he knows that. Uh, no, they don't. They don't. I've run out of time. I've got to get to some news, and I've got to get to some other guests, but you've been uh, Smith, a wonderful very, help. Very, at- a mighty Christmas to you and all of all your family and friends and all the people that have, that have been part of TNT. I want to say, I know you've got to go, TNT Radio, you and others are going to have a bigger role to play than you can even think going into the new year and these next couple of years. Good luck. Good on you. Thank you very much for that, Russell Broadband. Much appreciated. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Bye. There you go, the member for Monash, uh, with some kind words for this particular radio network. I think he's spot on. Um, I would say that, but it's spot on for a very good reason. We're saying things that you do not hear on mainstream media, especially mainstream radio, which has lost its courage. We will take a break. I've got to get some news for you. And then after that, we're going to look closely at what's happening in Gaza through the eyes of Shane Healy, the former intelligence officer with the ADF. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio. Big news, 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 news. A story which contains more than first meets the ear. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Hunter Biden has been indicted on felony tax crimes. The first son accused of splashing millions of dollars on his lavish lifestyle rather than paying his taxes. Radio host Alex Jones has dropped a bombshell claiming President Joe Biden's cognition has deteriorated to a point where the Commander-in-Chief is now walking around the White House naked, not knowing who he is. And a date has been set for Russia's presidential election, with voters to head to the polls in just 14 weeks' time. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24-7, 365, we never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk, this is TNT Radio. Hey, good to have your company. Now, I can't get this out of my mind, but this report quoting Alex Jones about Joe Biden walking through the White House naked, I can't get this image out of my head. Uh, I don't know what to do. Um, I'm going to have to sort of maybe take a swim or a cold shower or something because it's a terrible, terrible vision. Um, but I don't doubt that Alex is actually spot on. Uh, thank you, Pelly. Pelly says, what about John Ruddick? No John Ruddick today. Well, John Ruddick, would you believe, we can't speak to him because he's in the air on an aeroplane heading to Argentina. He told us last week that the new uh, president of Argentina, like what he's been saying on social media about his appointment, about his election, so much so that he regards John Ruddick as a champion. He's even been looking at John Ruddick's 
addresses to the upper house in the New South Wales Parliament. So he's invited him to Argentina, and that's exactly the direction he's heading right now. So he said to me very early this morning, I'm about to go to the airport. I'm sorry. I'm off to Argentina. <laughs> so that's, I know it's weird. I know it's outrageous. But it's what's happening. But we will be able to speak to John Ruddick this time next week. I promise we'll have him on the telephone. We don't know whether he'll be back in the country, but he'll be telling us all about his meeting with the new president of Argentina. I cannot wait for that. So next week, Pelly, but thank you very much for all of that. If you'd like to join the conversation, please do so. I've only got about, what is it, 24 minutes left uh, this week, so you can jump on between now and uh, the top of the hour and have your say. Join the conversation. It doesn't matter who else is on the radio at the time. We'd love to hear what you've got to say from the United States or Canada on one 201 6425 from the UK, 033-0024-1026, and from Australia or New Zealand. Don't be shy. 1-800-670-3100. Zero. Okay. The word pause is back on the agenda in the Middle East. It didn't take long. The UN has passed a resolution backing a series of pauses in the war between Israel and Hamas to deal with the humanitarian needs of the Palestinian people. Now, the US has also weighed in on a possible pause, at least uh, a possible move to help humanitarian needs, and they have now forced Israel to open a second border crossing for the passage of humanitarian trucks. And on the battlefield, there are all kinds of tactics being employed under and above the ground to analyse the status of this war and the pressures coming from outside of the Middle East. Let's bring in former ADF intelligence officer Shane Healy. Shane enlisted in the Australian Army in 1995 between 2004 and 2008, he was a private military contractor in Iraq, where he initially trained Iraqi Special Operations Police who fought in the Second Battle of Fallujah, which is where he did his work. Shane then re-enlisted into the Australian Army in 2009 as a member of the Australian Intelligence Corps. He has been deployed twice to Afghanistan, where he provided insurgent threat assessments. Back in Australia, he was part of the Tactical Assault Group, where he was involved in several real-time terrorist incidents. In 2014-2015, he was deployed to the UAE and Baghdad. Shane Healy, welcome back to TNT Radio. Good afternoon, Chris. Before we discuss a pause in this uh, battle, battle in uh, Gaza, and we'll get to that in a second, is this information right that both the United States and Australian embassies in Baghdad have been under attack in the past 12 hours? So I can confirm that uh, up to 10 rockets were fired at the US embassy from Sada City. Now, to get there, you have to go over the Australian embassy and they were attacking the green zone. So um, I can confirm that the green zone and the US embassy have definitely been attacked. Uh, and the Australian embassies in that vicinity. So to get to the green zone, what defences are there to prevent a, an attack like this? And were those defences used? 
Yeah, so there's a counter-battery system. So essentially it's a balloon with a radar. And when those rockets are fired, it picks them up. And uh, on Twitter and social media at the moment, there's video of that happening and it'll go like incoming, incoming, take cover, take cover, you move to your bunkers. So you do get some, some time, some warning, uh, and then you get the impacts for the rockets. It takes a couple of minutes depending on where they're fired from. The key to this is... Um, they're being fired from Iranian areas, so Shia areas. And so the assessment is that it's in response to the Americans conducting some strike operations inside Iraq in the last seven days. Okay. Let's talk about the United States and the Houthis in just a second. There's a stack going on in this area. But the UN General Secretary is now pushing for a second pause in fighting. I don't see any willingness from Israel to pause right now. Do you? And would it hurt Israel's tactics? There's no way that Israel are going to pause. They've got uh, operational and tactical momentum. They want this ended. All a pause is going to do is drag the war out. And they're really, they don't want this. The key is there was just a, a bill defeated in the US Senate overnight for funding for both Ukraine and Israel that they tied together. The Republicans shot it down because they said, we're not going to fund foreign wars and leave our southern border open. Um, and uh, a couple of Democratic senators, including um, uh, one of them, but basically he wanted some, um, statistics, some pressure put on Israel to stop the war for humanitarian reasons. So the US politics, which fund overseas wars or, or give the uh, spending packages, have been held up in Congress and in the Senate. Yeah. I spoke about that a little earlier in the program with one of my other guests. Um, irrespective of all of that, they won't listen to the UN. The UN can, um, you know, puff and shout as much as they want. Israel intends to wrap this up. So what, what do you think is the possible timeline for wrapping up their extraction of Hamas? So it depends on what they view as wrap up, but I've just seen some imagery of them using uh, big uh, fire hoses or, or uh, big hoses to start washing the tunnels away. They're going to flood the tunnels with seawater. There's a little bit of pushback because if we, there's still hostages out there that we are yeah. assessing that are in those tunnels. So some of the hostages that have been released saying we were in those tunnels and family members in Israel of the people that are still hostages are saying, if you flood those tunnels, then we're going to lose our family members. But if you, but the Israelis are already planning to do that. So this is what I mean. They, they're really going to squash that subterranean environment that's been in Gaza for 20, 25 years. And, um, you know, there's some other aerial footage where they've also taken out some of the agriculture that was in northern Gaza, uh, glass houses, uh, fields, so it's a bit of a scorched earth policy that the Israelis are doing. And so if that's take out and finish Hamas and, and the Palestinians in Gaza, that, that's at the lengths they're going to, to do it. Israel is also claiming that Hamas is launching rockets from humanitarian zones. Does that sound like Hamas to you? So it does, but Israel are going to continue to say that. That'll give them, as we've previously discussed, justification for them to go into those areas. Right. So there was some footage overnight of uh, a number of men in underpants. Uh, that was, And the Israelis are saying they're Hamas uh, fighters that have been captured. Two, Al Jazeera being one of them, they're saying, well, hang on, our journalist is one of those men in that uh, <laughs> detainee group. 
So, again, we're getting that different rhetoric out of Israel are saying this is the amount of Hamas fighters, up to 100 we've just attained, and aid organisations and media are saying, well, some of them are actually our guys. So, And a lot of, and a lot of um, uh, agencies are saying that they are simply Palestinians. 100%. That's what I was going to get to. So, again, we're back in that information operations. Yeah. Um, anyone can find this vision, but I've seen uh, several images of men in underwear yep. um, crouching down in some kind of shackles or um, a handcuffs or something. I think they're actually leg cuffs. Yeah. Yeah, right. And they're totally held. There's, a, there's hundreds of them in these pictures. Yep. And who knows who they are, but, you know, it's quite embarrassing if you're saying as an Israeli spokesperson that these people are Hamas fighters and all of a sudden Al Jazeera says, uh-uh. Yeah, and this is the issue that, that we're talking about. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Uh-oh, someone on the staff of Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas screwed up big time. She's running for mayor of Houston. And, well, before we get to the details, here's how she treats her staff or has treated them in the past when they screw up. I need to uh, ensure my um, schedule and, uh, you know, if, if Boo-Boo did it, shit-ass did it, fuckface did it, then nobody knows a goddamn thing in my office. Okay, now watch this. Houston, I've spent my entire career fighting for you. From fighting to keep our kids safe from guns when I was on city council, to my days in Congress fighting to protect women's reproductive freedom and for funding for our police, schools, and small businesses. Now I'm running to be your mayor because if we're going to bring down crime, fix our streets, and bring good-paying jobs here, then Houston needs a champion who's ready to fight for what's right. And I am. Did you see that at the end? It said, vote on December 7th. Let's put that up. Vote on December 7th. Problem is, the vote is on December 9th. Let me say it again. Uh-oh. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT Radio Vision. When a crisis hits, close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines, ready to serve. Healing. Nurturing. Rescuing. Protecting. Inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations has never been more important. And it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you, the Nonprofit Alliance. Focused on the facts. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, my apologies for a gremlin getting into the works. Uh, we were off air there for a while, but we're back on air now, and I've got Shane Healy with me. Shane, the New York Times reported yesterday that Israel is using real-time battlefield intelligence to target Hamas. What does that even mean? Back a few weeks uh, when I discussed human intelligence and the um, signal, signal intelligence and technical intelligence, so at a basic level, it means they're speaking to detainees, they're speaking to sources within Gaza, they're doing um, interviews of refugees, they're doing interviews of people in hospitals, they're taking imagery like we spoke about before, and all that is collected by different um, agencies and that's put together and then fused by uh, Israeli defence intelligence analysts. Right. Do you know where we're up to in terms of the internet working in Gaza? Because I would have thought as far as a, 
a military tactic is concerned, the more that the internet is open, the more that you could probably chase where mobile phone signals are and pick them up. Um, what I'll say about that is um, Elon Musk, who, if you remember a few weeks ago, he was giving um, Gaza free internet like he's doing in Ukraine with Starlink. Yeah. And the Israelis asked him to stop it because of the information operations. So as long as there's internet in Gaza, Hamas and their supporters can use Twitter, can use Instagram, put these videos of what the Israeli defence force are doing and upload them. And people saying, look at the uh, the humanitarian problems. As long as there's no internet in Gaza, that's not happening. And that's why the Israelis wanted internet out. That's interesting. That's interesting. It works the other way. Saudi Arabia has asked the United States to show restraint in responding to attacks by Yemen's Houthis against ships in the Red Sea as Riyadh seeks to contain spillover from the war. Uh, you can't underestimate what could happen here. The US can't sit by and continue to be attacked, can they? No, and they've asked for a coalition um, to of navies to come together and patrol the Red Sea, just like they do up uh, for the illegal anti-piracy and oil sanctions in the Persian Gulf. Um, It'll be interesting to see how this develops, given the civil war in Yemen. The Iranians are, again, the IRGC, they're a Quds force who support and train the Houthis, and the same groups that train Hezbollah and are conducting those operations in the Levant. Um, they'll keep ramping this up, and the Saudis know that, and they're trying to be the big brother in the in the region. Um, but they've been fighting that proxy war against against them in um in Yemen for 10 years now. So it's a little bit um, uh, interesting that they're the ones trying to play Big Brother. So when you say coalition of navies, are you suggesting that the likes of the UK and Australia will send warships into the Red Sea? Yeah, yep. So we've had warships in the Red Sea. So uh, JDF 150 since 1990 continuously. Um, so we already do that uh, patrolling of the uh, Somali coast and the anti-piracy operations. Um, and they'll no doubt either use those assets or ask the Royal Australian Navy for another ship to conduct those operations in the Red Sea.